Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bezel Banter, a podcast that covers all our favorite topics, including travel, various gear, and of course, watches. I'm Leslie. And I'm Ernesto. This is our episode 10 today, and we're focusing on the color blue, especially blue dials. Uh, it's a topic that hasn't been covered a lot, at least uh, that we know of, and we thought it would be very interesting to, uh, to cover it. Yeah. You know, before we go ahead and get started on this topic, uh, what watch are you wearing today? Well, since we're talking about blue dials, I'm wearing my IWC uh, Mark 18 Le Petit Prince Edition. It has a beautiful sunburst dial. Oh, it's ab- absolutely gorgeous. Very nice. I know that is a that is a beautiful piece. Uh, I am wearing a Seiko SKX 009. It's it's been discontinued. I think it was discontinued last year, and uh, you know, it was a present, and it it does have a blue dial, so it's uh, appropriate for today's Yay. Uh, episode. So one thing that we wanted to do is because it's a new year, we're wanting to go ahead and try something a little bit different with bezel banter. And as we mentioned on a previous episode, we're thinking about going ahead and doing a question and answer episode. And we're going to try to see if we can do it monthly. So our thoughts are to go ahead and make it for episode 12, which is the last week of January. So it would actually launch on January 27th. And it's basically to answer any questions you guys might have that are maybe watch related or not watch related or about us or maybe how we like to collect or our process or just anything in general about us. Um, Where does Leslie get her glasses? You know, just anything. It could be (laughs) absolutely anything. Do we still have the freedom not to like answer or like if the question is... Potentially. (laughs) So we'll we'll have to see what kind of question it is and then we can take it from there. Does Ernesto's real last name is Guapo? Dun, dun, dun. That's a great question. We'll have to see if he answers. (laughs) I like the background music, by the way. That was cool. Um, So... (laughs) <laughs> so this is this is an opportunity. We're going to end up putting a post out towards the end of the week, which is going to be on Friday, uh, and might put a few different posts out there to see if we can capture your questions. So you can either answer it right on the post in itself, or you can go ahead and DM us on Instagram, or you can um, reach out to us on our Gmail, which is bezelbanter at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. There are a few different ways to get your questions to us. And then we'll just go ahead and compile that and, and we'll go ahead and make sure that we address them on episode 12. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're going to try that and see how that goes. So before we move on to our main topic for this episode, we wanted to include a little section about um, you know watches in the news. What happened in the world of watches? What happened, you know, within the week, within or even within the months, anything that's cool and, and new and exciting. And so we'll see how how it goes, but maybe it's a little section that we're gonna include in every every of our episode at the beginning, something you know, very uh, very uh, short and sweet. And um, I'm gonna start by talking about Tudor. I don't know if you if you guys um, you know found out about about them. They released three watches with two different companies. And so those are watches that you cannot buy. Uh, they are co-branded. So one is co-branded with Undefeated. 
and there's only 50 watches being made. So they're black bays. You can see they're very, very um, recognizable because you can see the brand, the logo on the dial. So closer to the bottom, so closer to the six o'clock, you can see the uh, the logo. And um, in the back, you're going to have the name of the, uh, you know, the recipient and, and the logo as well. So those watches are very unique and it's very, um, I mean, it's very, very cool. Honestly, John Mayer got one and um, maybe, you know, those people will post pictures of theirs, but uh, it's, it's really, really cool. So they did this one and they also released two Black Bay, one Black Bay 58 and one Black Bay GMT again you can't buy those, but they are partnering with Air France, so the French, um, you know, company. Um, and same concept, they are being gifted, and same thing. So in the back, you will have the name of the recipient, and you will have the logo as well. There is the serial number there. So the cool, the really cool thing actually with this is that Tudor and any official Tudor dealer cannot polish a back case. They will not polish anything in the back. And so if for some reason they really, really need to do something to the back, they will have to completely replace the back of the case, meaning that you will have also a new serial number. So those watches, unless, you, I mean, you can go to any other jewelers, I guess, and they will polish it for you. But if uh, you end up like selling it, they can kind of like track you this way. Very interesting. I did not know that about the polishing of the uh, case back. That's really neat. Yeah. Yes. Well, I guess it's it's going to be interesting to see like who the who's who in the watch community will be because you got to be thought of pretty highly by Tudor to go ahead and get one of those pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for sure. Uh, I know IWC does that also with uh, oh I've with um. You know the, the the flight school. I think it's the the trainers get a watch with their name engraved also in the back, and those watches same same thing. You cannot buy them; they're, they're only a gift. They make that makes it even more special, uh, to be Absolutely. honest. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. You know, for me, what caught my eye happened last week with Omega, and mm. that was the launching. Actually, it was very apropos that it was on the first Speedy Tuesday of 2021 that Omega ended up launching out the new Omega Speedmaster. Um, and it looks similar to the Speedmaster when you look at it from afar, but there are these small little details that are a little bit different. The big change that happened is that Omega ended up putting the new caliber 3861, mm. and that is a uh, coaxial Uh, coaxial movement. So they're starting to, of course, transition most of their movements to be coaxial. And that's, that's uh, makes sense because that's what Omega is really known for. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this point, I think there are four different iterations of this moon watch and there's the Hestalite, which, uh, you know, is the one with the plexiglass Mm -hmm. crystal. Mm -hmm. And then there's the uh, Sapphire crystal. There's also a uh, cannabis gold and also looks like a like a pink gold but they call it a sedna gold and so there are a few different iterations one thing that caught my eye about this one too was the crown looks like it's a little bit further out so if you guys own a manual wind um, 
Speedmaster today, you know that sometimes it's a little bit hard to wind it True. because it's kind of set in a little bit. So this one looks like it's a little bit out mm, and nice. a nice homage to uh, the vintage Omega Speedmasters is there's a dot over 90. And for those watch nerds out there that are into speedies, um, that's a nice little touch that Omega did with that launch. Mm-hmm. So that's what yeah. caught my eye uh, recently with uh, what's in the news. Yeah, I I think it's really cool that Omega is embracing that Speedy Tuesday, you know, thing. It, it's totally. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. It makes them, you know, closer to like collectors, and it, honestly, I think it makes them cooler too. I, I think so too. It you know, Omega is such a big brand, right? Mm-hmm. It's under the Swatch Group, and when they do something like that, as a Omega fan, as a consumer of the brand, it almost feels like yeah, they're listening. And not every brand embraces their consumers like they're doing. So that was really neat. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Well, thank you uh, for for sharing that with us. And I guess we're moving to our main topic. So it's a a little bit of a different format that we're doing this time. And uh, we actually, uh, I actually prepared. Solid. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, you know what? It's a new year. It's a new format. You you don't know what you're getting with bezel banter this year until we start getting into the year. Kind of like 2021 in general, right? You don't know what you're getting into until. Do we know what we're getting? I don't even know. I don't even know what we're getting. Just ask us like ten minutes before the recording, and we might be able to tell you. So. But we, we appreciate everybody's feedback. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, definitely. like share with us what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to hear from us. We're open to yeah, it. Yeah. It, it, that's actually really what makes it cool when it's not just the, the two of us. Uh, yeah. When we're, uh, you know, kind of like challenged and, and when we hear feedbacks, any kind of feedbacks, honestly, we really love that. So thank you. Well, I think that's why we're wanting to do the Q&A as well, too. Um you know, it's like Omega listening to their customers. Same thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Did you compare us to Omega? I, I didn't mean to. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're at that level. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, so yes, let's talk about blue. Uh, and yeah, blue that's dials. a cool color. So I did a little, we actually both did a little bit of research because we pro, we mentioned that topic and we're like, oh yeah, that sounds fun. And then we realized there were a little bit more to it. So um, we looked into the color blue and um, I found out that blue is apparently the, the color that's the most difficult to see during daylight, mm. at least. It's closer to the ultraviolet, and apparently it is uh, more difficult for us to see, which I thought was very interesting. But yeah. during nighttime, it's actually the opposite. It's the easier color, or easiest color to see. So um, I thought that was really cool. So I wanted to yeah, share that with you. I was also so reading about the color blue. It's, um, it's a fairly new color, which sounds so strange. It, uh, not that it didn't exist before, but it wasn't really described or people didn't give it, a, given this, didn't give this color a name at least. So they found out that in ancient Greece, for example, the color blue was never mentioned in none of the, the texts. 
in the Odyssey, uh, written by Ulysses. Is that how mm, we pronounce it? Yeah. yeah. He mentioned the 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 ocean as being like a dark wine color, and that's pretty much it. So I thought it was very strange. I mean, Greece, all you think, you think of Greece, you think of white and blue, right? I mean, the really right. blue sea. and I think their flag is even white and yeah, blue. Yeah, so yeah. So I thought it was very, very strange when, uh, when I read that. I was o also reading in terms of like um, drawing and illustration. Blue wasn't used in uh, cave paintings, for example. And they were explaining that there's not a lot of blue surrounding us a very you know little blue flowers and uh, anything everything is pretty much green and brown with maybe a little bit of red but um so blue wasn't very part of of life and it only appears in writing at least and in, uh, in drawings during the um um in egypt about six thousand years ago which is quite recent okay. When you look at the big picture and and how long how old the world really is, that's pretty you know pretty recent. Yeah, I I I thought it was quite shocking to be honest. Like six thousand years ago, during like pharaohs and Egyptians, that's when color blue was mentioned and and popularized in a way, but still not really that much. And it was extremely expensive because they needed to find the pigments. And well, I mean, nothing's really blue. Uh, so they were importing uh, the lapis stone from Afghanistan, and they were mm -hmm. mixing different um, stones that they were grinding together uh, to make like a sort of another pale blue paint. Um, so I, I thought it was really, yeah, really, really interesting. Down the road later on, the color blue. So yes, the first colors that appears in text were white and black and then red a little bit. Then there were yellow, green, and much, much later blue. So I didn't, I didn't even know. I mean, for me, blue is like, you know, part of everyday life. So especially in watches, sure. you see blue dials everywhere. It's becoming fashionable. So you'd never think that blue is a recent color. Um, a little bit, you know, a little bit later, uh, around the years 400 after, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, so um, like 1,600 years ago about, the Catholic Church decided to color code saints, and they attributed the color blue to the Virgin Mary. So blue was still the most expensive color to make, and so it would kind of make sense that, uh, you know, being the mother of, of Jesus, she would have that color attributed to her. And so the color blue started to have a sort of like um, connotation. So it was a symbol of trustworthiness and innocence. Mm -hmm. It was inspiring trustworthiness. And so it was picked up later on by the police, the military, and because it was also a very difficult pigment uh, to have in terms of clothing, it was also picked up by royalty and uh, mostly by men. So it became slowly more of a masculine color, while originally it was more maybe of a feminine color because it was attributed to, you know, Virgin Mary. Uh, so slowly it's becoming more, you know, of a masculine color. And after World War II, because, or thanks to marketing, they realized that if you attribute a color to 
you know, boys and a color to girls, you would sell more. You would sell more clothing, more items. So blue really became more of a boy color after World War II. Uh, so we know it. I mean, now everything is blending again. There's no really... Men, like, you know, boy or girl color, although maybe nurseries will have more blue colors if, yeah. you know, if we have a boy and more of a pink color if we have a girl, I guess. But um, so it's back to more blending now. Um, but we see a lot. We've seen a lot of blue dial watches lately. And we were wondering how come, how come all of a sudden blue is the most thought after watch? And in any brand, honestly, uh, be it Patek Philippe with their 5711 or their Nautilus, blue dial is the most difficult one to, to get. Audemars Piguet with their Royal Oak, same thing with blue dial. And in any single, you know, in, for every single brand, blue is always the one that will sell the most and will sell out first. So we were kind of curious, Ernesto and I, and we decided to, you know, dig a little bit more into into this. So, yeah, definitely. You know, when you look at watches from a historical perspective, you got to think clocks first and then pocket watches and then finally wrist watches. And oftentimes they were a, a function of telling time, not necessarily fashion. And when you had a clock they would make it simple colors like black dial or white dial or silver dial because, you know, it would match with everything and it was just more a function of telling time at that point. What is visible, right? And what's visible is a white dial with, you know, black numbers. It's pretty plain, but it's visible. And so what's interesting to see is how it transitions from, you know, a pocket watch and now to a wrist watch and... What I found interesting was that in the 50s is when, you know, you really started seeing some of the big brands out there like Rolex and Omega and IWC with those blue dials. It was it was not uncommon to see a Rolex with the Oyster date precision um, or an Omega automatic Genève. And these guys would end up or actually even the IWC caliber 89. So that if you're familiar with the caliber 89, that's a manual wine watch. The other two are automatics, but they're all smaller watches. They're anywhere from like 34, 35, 36 millimeters. And of course that was what they wore back then, but it mm -hmm. wasn't as common as a silver dial, a black mm -hmm. dial, a white dial. And, you know, if you think about it, watches in general tend to be functional but also somewhat fashionable. And while there are a lot of cool brands out there like Doxa and the new Rolex releases with the, um, the Oyster Perpetual with these bright, bold colors, mm -hmm. you don't see a lot of brands pushing those bright, flashy colors because oftentimes if you're a watch collector and you have numerous watches, then I can see where, okay, you want a yellow dial watch um and even blue right oftentimes you're not gonna your first watch that you pick is not going to end up being a blue watch oftentimes it's going to be a black mm -hmm. or yeah. a silver or a white dial or if it's a blue it's going to be a very dark blue like a very uh neutral like a blue navy. in a way yeah right navy blue. Mm -hmm. and and the other thing too you got to think a little bit about the colors so there are three primary colors right red blue and yellow and 
red and yellow are pretty bold, pretty bright oh, for yeah. a for a watch dial. Mm-hmm. And so I think it makes sense to put blue. Uh, and and you know, of course, we also start seeing this trend of green mm-hmm. dials that somebody here at Bezel Banter really likes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as far as the green dial. And so you know, but that's a secondary color. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that's it's interesting what you said too about the watches that you know are harder to get maybe they don't make as many as the dials with the silver white or black and the ones that you mentioned were like the Audemars uh, the Audemars Piguet and the Patek Philippe Mm -hmm. Royal Oak Mm -hmm. and also the um, Nautilus Mm -hmm. yeah harder to get yes they are and I mean thinking about it I think it would make sense that blue would be so in demand because nowadays we don't really look for a more formal timepiece. We don't really have formal events to attend. And blue seems to be a very good compromise between the very formal and also the very relaxed. So you you have a versatile color that can go with absolutely anything, a suit mm-hmm. or jeans it's not too bright. It's not too out there. So for most people, it's perfect. And it also has more depth, I think. You can have, I mean, I don't want to say more dial variations because with white and black, you can have like, you know, a lot of dial variations, but you can also have so many different shades of blue, so many different types of dial as well. So you can never be bored with blue because it's never really the same blue. You can say similar, you know, you can kind of say the same with black and with white, unless you have a very dark black and a very, you know, pure white. You can always have like a sort of off-white style, more an eggshell, more silver. Or with black, you can have like, you know, you can go from that vental black dial to more of like a dark gray black. But with blue, you can have a blue that has a little bit more, you know, red in it. So it's a bit more purple, Mm -hmm. one that's a little bit more gray. Um, I mean, so it's really, really fun. But also you're not taking any sort of risk. I think, yeah, blue is really cool. It's a low risk color. And Mm -hmm. I think marketing departments of watch brands are are smart in how they use those blue dials. So. When you look at limited editions sometimes, or um, I'll give you an example, like IWC, they have those pilot watches, and then they also have the La Petite Prince. Mm-hmm. That's blue. And oftentimes there's a premium to that. And they know that they can go ahead and charge that premium because the demand, right? So there's going to be a demand. It's a little mm-hmm. bit special. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that it kind of differentiates you too. So if you're wearing a watch that you know, a lot of people wear black dial watches or white dial watches. If you have blue, it's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. it just kind of yeah. catches your eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, generally the premium will also go, like in terms of IWC, like you said, with the Petit Prince edition, There, there's no premium. So uh, you have, um, you can have that black dial, you can have that blue dial. They made also Saint-Exupéry brown dial. But as brown, like your know, brown dial, it can also be a little bit... Um, I mean, you can think it's a bit more versatile too, but 
personally, brown dials were so much more difficult to sell than blue. Blue is a little bit of a no-brainer, honestly. Uh, if you're not really sure between white or black, yeah, you can go the traditional route and it's great. But if you want to, I don't know, be a little bit in between, like a little bit more... I mean, if you have like one watch, blue makes... I think a lot more sense for that reason because you can you can wear it with black, you can wear it with brown, you can wear it right. with you know funky colors too. And generally that blue will not well generally, yes, will not be a very flat blue. Um so I'm thinking, for example, of the reverso from um from Gégère de Coutre. So Reverse uh Gégère de Coutre made a duo reverso and you have on one end a guilloche kind of like an eggshell color dial. And then on the other side, you have a blue sunburst dial. Depending mm -hmm. on the light, it can look black, but it can also look purple. And it's really, really cool. So I'm giving a shout out to my friend, uh, Blue Dial, like Blue Watches. So that's the, the name of his uh, Instagram account. He, he takes beautiful pictures and he recently acquired uh, this reverso and he showed me He showed it to me in a different light. I've seen it in person before, but it's true. I've There's a picture that he took where it's a, almost purple, and I've never seen it like that. So it's really the light that will dictate the color, and I think it's fascinating because you can never really be bored with that. I mean, honestly. Um, you know, that's interesting. It reminds me of like the... Okay, so a lot of you guys know that I'm a big um, fan of Rolex. That, no. is that love and hate that I <laughs> love and hate that I talk about those guys, and I'm into robust dive watches. Uh, <clears throat> damn, I only but, have coffee today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only drinking tea right now, so not a big deal. <laughs> I don't know how messed up I can get on tea. Um, but what's what's interesting to me, I think about like the the blue dial that you know the Submariner. It was a reference 1680, and it was I want to say like it was in the 1771 to it was in the 70s when that particular submariner had um the gold the yellow gold with a blue dial and that's when they first came out and then two-tone came out i want to say in the mid 80s and the submariner had the two-tone uh watch and the, mm -hmm. there was a blue dial as well too and what was interesting to me is we talked about blue and how in time that particular color sometimes fades to a purple yeah you'll see that's true you'll, yeah you'll see some of the vintage mm -hmm. watches and yeah. they'll be like oh man that dial is kind of purple looking and it's neat to see like how that's it's yeah you know, on, on some of the tudor submariner they also fade to a light blue gray i've mm -hmm. seen and they look gorgeous Yeah, they really, yeah. really do. Oh, and the, of course, the 58, Black Bay 58 Tudor in navy blue, stunning. And you can't have like two of the same blue, which is, which is awesome because it is. You put them all side by side and the blue Pelagos is different. Uh, the blue from the Black Bay 41 on the bezel is different. And then you take all the other brands too. I mean, unless you really want to copy the same blue. I think it's impossible. There's just too much. And they're all wear so well. It's not like taking different shades of red or different shades of yellow, uh, which I don't know if yellow fades. It, you know, yellow. It, it might fade depending no, upon the material. No, but I mean, it won't material. look really pretty. But if a blue fades, I mean, it's it's way more wearable than, you know, a light yellow. I guess. But I guess that's just me. But um, 
And we've yeah. seen like some of the Pepsi bezels too when they mm-hmm. fade with that blue and they all, all of a sudden look almost gray. Yeah, with blue, I was looking into all the different types of dolls you can have and they all look amazing with like blue, blue color. You can have like a blue meteorite with the Piaget uh, Altiplano. So I've seen this one a couple of years ago in person. Absolutely stunning. They make a version with with a tourbillon and one without. So it has that beautiful meteorite and an amazing shades of blue on, on top of it, which, yes, give it more depth and makes it more sophisticated. But at the same time, again, with a jean and white T-shirt, that works. That totally works. You know, to me too, like sometimes there's a certain blue. I like sunburst styles. I yeah. think that if they hit the light in a certain way, and you've got that cool shade and effect yeah. that just looks so cool. And so sometimes I end up liking things that have that sunburst blue as well too. I like that. Yeah, the Petit Prince and the IWC uh, sunburst on the Petit Prince is absolutely stunning. And, and again, sometimes you see a little bit of striation a little bit more. Sometimes mm-hmm. you you don't. It looks more a little bit more uniform. Sometimes it looks black. Other times it looks really bright blue. But it's always always feeding. I mean, they really make one of the most beautiful sunburst blue dial, in my opinion. And another one too is like the Yacht Master. I've seen the Yacht Master mm, yep. the forty that has the blue and and even the Datejust forty ones. The the blue in there sometimes just have that nice sunburst, that yeah. sparkle in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've um, I don't want to say the nicest because. We never know, but one of the nicest blue dial I've ever seen, and I've been completely mesmerized by it, is the. It's on the Gégère Le Coutre Polaris, the North America edition. It has a sort of gradient, so it is an enamel dial, and it has a, a sort of gradient to it. So it's not like a. It's not so much like a fumé uh, effect, but it's. It's a little darker on the outside and a little uh, lighter on the inside. And so this is made by enamel. And it's absolutely um, amazing because to make an enamel dial, so you have to have like a very thin powder. So whatever raw material you're using, you have to grind it to a very, very thin powder and then make a paste out of it. And then you paint it. So it's all layers, paint by hand. And in between in each layers, you have to heat it to a certain temperature. So it's extremely difficult. It's, uh, you know, you can mess it up very easily. And on this one, it's absolutely, I mean, jaw-dropping, really. Um, and again, inside, you know, under regular lights, gorgeous but it looks completely different when it's outside under the sunlight too so um yeah absolutely amazing um talking about enamel dial of course you know the vacheron constantin overseas mm-hmm. that blue dial looks like a piece of glass glass it has so much depth to it but it just looks so I don't want to say fragile, but delicate. That's more like the word. It looks so delicate and it's very transparent. Same thing, layers of lacquer. Um, And then it's, um, yeah, it's it's mind-blowing, honestly. And it's interesting, too, because you you named like Vacheron, which is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal brand. 
but even some of the other more affordable brands that are like the Seikos and Grand Seikos, mm-hmm. oh, when they yes. end up doing their enamel blue, that's beautiful as well. Yeah. You know, in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty neat. You know, I just think about the last year with the Grand Seiko 60th anniversary. Yeah. Every single one of those four watches that they launched were all blue dial. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Something to be said about the color yeah. blue. Yeah. Yeah. And and I cannot talk about Grand Seiko or we cannot talk about Grand Seiko and Blue Dial without mentioning the Kirazuri, the uh like which is like my favorite Grand Seiko, the SBGA three eighty seven. So it has a very mm-hmm. special technique. And depending on the light, it looks more silver or it looks more blue. It's extremely difficult to take a picture of it. So if you see it in person, you you're gonna understand directly what I what I mean, because it's absolutely stunning. They also have that blue snowflake, which is so soft. They, they, you really yeah. have the feeling of the snow, like on that white dial, but it's blue and it's a very, very calming blue, honestly. Uh, so yeah, Grand, well, Grand Seiko and their dials, right? You know, the sad part about that is, you know, if I own those watches, I'm not a good enough photographer to give that watch <laughs> the respect that it deserves because those Same. watches have such beautiful details mm-hmm. that I'm not good enough as a photographer to capture. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, me neither. Um, I guess I would be, just be staring at them. That's pretty much it. That's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You stay. No driving. No driving because otherwise you get distracted. And No. <laughs> No texting and driving, no staring oh, at your no. dials and driving. No. <laughs> They're all for new sure. rules for 2021. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one that I just also looking into blue dials that I discovered, it's from a brand. I don't know if you know that brand. Um, it seems like it's a Chinese brand. I mean, it's called Atelier Wen. And they make really affordable, if I may say, timepieces with an enamel, I'm so, I'm so sorry, a porcelain dial. Uh, and they make one with a blue porcelain. It's around $700. It's, I mean, it's sold out for now. And, um, but I was very, um, very surprised. They make one also with white and blue porcelain mixed together. And it's absolutely, it's really, really nice. So I have to look more into, into this, but I was very, um, very um, happily surprised to discover this one. Very cool. And, and you know what, Leslie, I um, I was looking through my notes while we were talking, and and I looked actually online at IWC, and I stand corrected. You are absolutely correct. There is no premium on IWC um, for the color blue. I'm sorry. I had to. No, that's okay. That's okay. I, I, I had to make sure that I wasn't seeing things incorrectly, but... What I saw the premium was the fact that some of those watches have bracelets. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. where the premium is yeah, on the bracelet. Yeah, yeah, well, and that yeah, yeah. absolutely makes sense. Or they'll resell for more. That's where also you'll get the premium. If you have a blue dial, you're you're going to resell it for more uh, than if it's a black or it's a white dial because it's considered maybe just too simple or traditional. or uh, and, and right now, in any way... Everything's about blue, and it's been like that for quite a few years, uh, honestly. Uh, it's been like that for quite a few years. I started realizing it, and so that's from my just, you know, personal experience, so I can't really, um, you know, say it's, it's the truth. It's just what I observed working in sale I and selling IWC. I 
I noticed at least at my level and my store, all the blue started with IWC. So for me personally, they launched the blue craze. Not that no one else made blue dials before because we know that's not true, but they made Le Petit Prince for, you know, quite some time now. And that blue is very, very striking and the demand is there. And then for their uh, Jubilee collection, so their 150 years uh, collection, they also made um, a special limited uh, series of watches with either a white enamel dial or a blue enamel dial. And of course, the blue is the one that sold out first. And then all of a sudden, everyone started having all the other brands. I'm not talking about, you know, just Rolex, because we know Rolex made blue dials before. You know, most brands did too. But all of a sudden, blue started like popping up left and right for absolutely every brand. And not just one, it started becoming part of like their core collection. Uh, And so that's really where it caught my attention, at least. Um, And yeah, everyone now is making a blue dial because it would be a mistake not to make a blue dial. Yeah, I I think that it's an important skew and in everybody's brand to put a blue dial in there. Um, You know, what's interesting is IWC is one of those brands that I mentioned on a previous episode that I'm wanting to learn more about and I'm doing my research in 2021. So I, I, I definitely plan to look into that a little bit deeper, but I had a question for you regarding the Le Petit Prince. Mm -hmm. And do you think that they're going to end up changing or what's your take on the current movement that they have today versus I noticed that on the Spitfires, they're starting to change the movements to their in-house movement. Do you mm-hmm. think that's something yep. that they might end up doing? I I think so. But yes, it's just really just my own take because uh, I don't have any insider information or anything like that. And, right. um, and honestly, even if I did, I don't think I'd be able to to say anything. But um, but I I don't I don't know anything. So I I think it makes sense to have. Not that it's, not that they should, but I think because all the really high end watch companies are starting making their own movement, it's really well regarded. I mean, yes, they, it's really well regarded. If you have a really high end timepiece. You need to have an in-house movement, and it's becoming kind of like, like a, a truth. Before, no one really cared so much. Um, everyone was, uh, you know, they liked the watch, great, but they were maybe not also collecting, or at least they were not as many collectors as they are now. So you have right. a watch; it's really a tool, or it's a gift, or it's to celebrate something special. And that's, you like the style, great, but not a lot of people were really looking into the movement. That's why Panerai had Rolex movement in them before. Now, I mean, it's never going to, I don't want to say never, but uh, it probably won't happen ever again. Um, The first first Nautilus from Paddock also had a movement that wasn't a Paddock movement. It was a movement designed by Gégard Le Coutre that Vacheron was using, Audemars Piguet was using, and then, you know, Paddock was using too. So, I mean, now those are even more, you know, rare and thought after. Panerai also used a, a, a Gégère Lecoult movement. Yeah, Panerai used the Gégère Lecoult movement. It was like an eight-day mm-hmm. um, uh, power reserve that they had on that. And I think they only did it for like three years. Yeah, not for too long, right? Panerai was always known for the case and using somebody else's movement. Yeah, because they were case makers. So, yeah. 
yeah, it's only been recent that everybody's mm-hmm. been in Panerai and everybody's been more focused on uh, movement. But, you mm-hmm. know, I appreciate your insight regarding the IWC in-house movement, potentially in-house movement for some of these other brands. They build this, you know, amazing, very grandiose manufacturer. Everything is just made so that they could just be self-sustainable in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they started, like, you know, you start not by redoing everything, you just focus some aspect of your production where you, you know, use a new movement, see if it works, see how, and, and just see how you can just make even more movements or make it more efficient or things like this, right? You see where there's problems. Honestly, I didn't hear about any problems about their in-house movement. So I think it's all good. And then COVID hits. So probably put everything to a stop or at least slow down everything. But it, it would make total sense to go towards maybe not having everything in-house, but maybe having most of it. I think there's still, you know, some um, like some value in owning a watch that has a non-in-house movement. And I've changed because I used to say the opposite. <laughs> I used to be like, it's not an in-house, I don't want it. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. There are pros and cons of having a an in-house movement and also pros and cons with having a regular ETA or a Valjou uh, movement. I mm-hmm. mean, and that's another episode in yes, itself. Yes, definitely. But yeah, in, in a value, I don't think it's not just value in terms of like monetary value. I think it's also in terms of like historical value. That's how they do right. it, be, did it before. And we started seeing, well, started, I don't know about started, but we know collectors are really interested into... Uh, in those watches that have a non-in-house movement, but that are, you know, historically accurate. Uh, it used to be that way before, so I want my watch that way. I mean, having a Panerai with a Jaeger movement, that's absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. The uh, original overseas Jaeger movement in them. Well, I think, I, I don't know if uh, the community is really either aware or really looking for those watches, but if you know, it has... It's, I think it's even more interesting because you have something that's like they don't make anymore and it's a piece of history and it's rare. And um, so for, and I, you know, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. And I th- no, no, that's okay. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm like a, like a numbers guy. And I think that that reference is actually a Pam 190, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's a radio mirror. Um, oh, you're going to fact check me. <gasps> oh, <no. laughs> Uh-oh. So I think it's a 190. It's a radio mirror. It's a 45 millimeter radio mirror um, that came out for three, three years, and it was basically the Jezelakult movement. I'll have to be more precise in my search because now all they do, all Google wants to do, is sell me one. So, right. um, <laughs> which I'm fine with. I, it's not you has one. It, I, I know, I know someone. I've seen this one in person at least, the one with the Jezelakult movement in them. Yes, I currently. I currently do not own one. I've, you know, it'd be great if I had one. I I have a radio mirror, but my radio mirror is the G series, which is like the only year that they flip flop the radio mirror mm, word. Yes. And also yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the, um, yeah. Black seal. Pam 190. Good job. So, thank you. Damn. Thank you. Impressive. I like the pan eyes. <laughs> yes, you do. I'm a fan. 
So Leslie, you and I can go on and on about tangential stuff, not related to the topic of blue dials. <laughs> I know. We started talking about movements. Great. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And, and I'm trying to guess like what reference number that radio mirror was. But oh hey, you goodness. guessed right. So good. I, I think mean, I lost a couple of brain cells on that deal. <laughs> so back to the topic of blue dials, was there anything else you might want to add? Uh, there's just two other blue dials that are really absolutely mesmerizing also in, in a way. And um, I've, uh, so I'm talking about the Aventurine dial and mm-hmm. I learned something too. It means in Italian by chance, because it was apparently, it's a type of glass that was discovered and made um, by chance. Uh, hence their name. So I thought it was really cool uh, as well. I've seen two types of Aventurine dial, a blue one and a brown one. The brown one, I mean, I'm not so, I'm not a huge fan of brown dials in case I haven't said it enough today. <laughs> I've heard it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it still looks really good. But the blue one, I, I think it looks absolutely amazing on that um, on the Elonga and Zona, the Saxonia, the the, the mm-hmm. thin one. Oh, I've seen this one also in person. It's so gorgeous. It's really, it's a very poetic um, way to to make a dial, and I mean, it's it's really beautiful. Um, so that one, and it's also quite different, uh, honestly. That and and the famous Fumé dial dials from um, Moser. Those are so absolutely incredible. Yeah, those are. Moser is such a great company too. They do such neat things with their watches. And and so in the end, you could have a collection that's only focusing on blue dials and it's it, it won't ever be boring. You know, it, it'd be interesting to see if our listeners out there would tag us when they're posting yes. about their blue dial. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's a great idea. If you guys wouldn't mind tagging Bezel Banter or Leslie or yeah. myself um, and just... You know, we would love to see like what type of blue dials you guys are mm-hmm. rocking. That'd yes. be awesome. Yeah, definitely. And how many blue dials do you have in your collection too? Yeah. That would be really cool. Very true. I'm sure there are some collectors out there that just focus specifically on blue dial. They have like a theme of in their collection just on blue I mean, you dials. totally could, honestly, because then... Yeah, you totally, oh goodness, totally yeah. could. Uh, I'm thinking again of like that Gégère de Coutre. The uh, for SHH um, 2019, they released also three watches, limited edition, that were made in enamel as well. Which you look at them, you 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 can't believe there it's enamel. It's absolutely right. gorgeous. So it it was. Um, I mean, you probably. I mean, you probably know they made some like crazy complications with them too, and it um it has. It wasn't a sun. It was a melon. It was a mix between sunburst and um, guilloche as well. You you do have like have those lines, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like engraved, and it's made out of enamel, uh, and that doesn't look like anything I've seen before. It's extremely bright, but it would still look amazing with with a suit, and uh, you know anyone could just rock that. So um yeah, but yeah, I'd be interested to know. You know, when it's all said and done, blue is an important color to the watch industry. And the reason why I say that is because out of seven days, 
we dedicate one day to go ahead and highlight our blue watches, which is hashtag blue watch. Blue watch Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know that blue Very is an important true. color. Leslie, did you have anything else you wanted to share? No, I, I think I think we're good. Uh, you know, we spend like thirty plus minutes talking about blue dials. I mean, I guess we yeah. could always go on, but <laughs> we'll continue on Instagram. <laughs> That's right, right. Yeah, please. Yeah, please, everybody, just go ahead and and tag us on some of yeah. your watch photos, blue. We we definitely love to see them. And this is probably a good place for us to wrap up this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys again so much for listening and spending time with us on Bezel Banter. Please hit the show notes for more details and links. You can follow us on Instagram. Leslie is at Ladies Wrist and I'm at Ernesto Guapo 72. Of course, you can follow the show at at Bezel Banter Media. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us either through bezelbanter at gmail.com or you can go ahead and DM us on Bezel Banter Media on Instagram. And please subscribe and review wherever you find your podcast because it truly helps us out. Uh, you can additionally grab these episodes and other episodes on www.bezelbanter.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to catching up with you next week on another episode of Bezel Banter. Thank you very much. Thank you.